0: Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation.
1: Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for June 10th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. On this week's edition, we hear about the impact of heavy rains and flooding across parts of Arkansas and take a look at what the economic impact might be of this week's wet weather. We also learn more about the new Experience Arkansas Agriculture promotional campaign and get a look at the upcoming Officers and Leaders Conference for Arkansas Farm Bureau. First up, Jason Brown sits down with Mark Lambert, Arkansas Farm Bureau's Director of Commodity Activities and Economics to take a look at the potential economic impact of damages from this week's heavy rain and flooding for Arkansas farmers and ranchers. Today we're here with Mark Lambert,
2: Director of Commodity Activities and Economics At Arkansas Farm Bureau to talk about the heavy rains and flooding here in the state. Mark, we've seen some intense rainfall over the past several weeks, so I wanted to have you join us to give some insight into the challenges and impacts that this weather is having on agriculture in the state. To start us off, could you give an overview of the intense rainfall we've seen in the state
3: this spring? So this spring, starting with, uh, I guess around April, uh, we kind of started getting um, rain, I guess, chances every single week which is, which is typically what you see in the spring. Um, the old adage is April showers brings May flowers. Uh, I think it was April showers, May showers, and now it's June showers. Um, this past week we kind of saw um, a, a very large, I guess, storm cell run through Arkansas. Uh, typically, right around that I-40 range. Um, some places got 15 inches of rain. Some places got 12 inches of rain. Um, in Stuttgart, Pine Bluff, D- Dumas, um, Lake Village, you know, it, it's almost it's almost monsoon-type rains. All the towns are flooded, um, and they're looking. I mean, they could be looking at flooding for numerous weeks now.
2: What counties
3: have been most impacted by these rains and flooding? So most counties that that, uh, we've seen is Jefferson County, a producer um, in Jefferson County said that as of yesterday at noon, they had um, 12 inches of rain and most of their bean crop was underwater. DeShay County uh, had a farmer tell me yesterday that you could you could ride a jet ski from Tiller all the way up to Pine Bluff. So you're looking at Lincoln, Jefferson, um, Ashley County's had significant rainfall. Um, it's kind of put them, put them way behind the eight ball in planting. Um, but pretty much if you look at I-40 Arkansas, Jefferson, Lincoln, Chico, Deshaies, um parts of Phillips, they've got significant amounts of rain
2: yeah it sounds like this is pretty widespread
3: were the impacts going back to the planting season this year um some of the impacts you know um we heard some some impacts on on planting to where they've had some of these timely rains to where they activate um the residual chemical um some guys have planted shallower to to get the rain because they knew the rain was coming and it's been a slow steady rain up until the last week to where they've just, the bottom's fallen out and it doesn't look like any end in sight.
2: Are we seeing the impacts grow with the continued
3: rain we've seen in the past couple of weeks? So um, farmers farmers are kind of back on, um, they kind of have their, they kind of have, I guess, deadlines, um, planning deadlines, insurance deadlines to where they have to make decisions on preventative planning. Um, You start looking back in April, and they're, they're, they know the deadline's there, but then when the rain compounds, where they get three days of dry weather and two days of rainy weather, uh, that deadline slowly approaches. So they have to start making different decisions and changing their cropping mix. Um, you know, one of the things a lot of people hadn't hadn't really looked at is you start looking at contra- contracts, your uh, your grain contracts that you made back in maybe January, February to where you have a contract, you're locked into that contract, and the only way out um, is the, if the elevator lets you out or you go to the national, national board to, to get out of that contract. So if a farmer plants 1,000 acres of beans and he wants to deliver on that contract and he doesn't have that 1,000 acres of beans, he could possibly be out of that contract. He could uh, have to, I guess, forego that contract and pay, pay it straight up, the penalty.
2: Okay, let's talk about soybeans specifically. Can you provide some insight on how the crop will be affected? Uh, do we have enough time
3: for replanting, for instance? So soybeans, um, the, the younger soybean plant, um, it typically can't take, it's not, it's not flood tolerant. Um, right now, I think we were uh, at the beginning of the week, 77%, which really meant last week we were 77% Emerged and 86 or 88 percent planted in the state Um, out of the three million acres. I mean, that's that's a significant number there. Um, So, the soybean it can't if it's cool, uh, overcast skies, and the water kind of sits on the sits on there, um, sits on the field, and it kind of gets out of there within 24 to 36 hours. Not a lot of I mean, they, they may have stunted growth, but what, what, uh, what the university is, has said that if it starts sunshining and it's really hot, humid, it starts losing oxygen and those plants start dying. So then, and I guess going into replants, so the late planting, the late planting date is in July, so there is time to replant, but once that summer solstice hits, they start seeing yield drags um to where they have to file their preventative planting um some guys on their rice they file preventative planting on rice and switch to beans so uh you do lose a little bit there but at least you you can still make a crop
2: well we have farmers in the state that see a total crop loss as a result of this uh, flooding and and the, the heavy rain
3: um total crop loss um i know there, there probably is some. Uh, you take a, around the Cache River, um, north and south Cache River. Some of those guys, they will have a total crop loss where um, they have just an, uh, like just tons and tons of water sitting on them. Uh, the north Cache, where they channeled the Cache, there's significant log jams around Grubs, um, where they channeled the Cache again down around Clarendon. Um, there's the water's been high there ever since the ever since planting, so that guy's completely out of a crop. Um, you know, if if you can't get the water off your off your farm, you can't grow anything.
2: With the wheat harvest upon us, what impacts do we know of
3: there? Uh, wheat with wheat harvest, you know, there could be some sprouting in the head, some disease. Uh, you start seeing more significant dockage with wheat prices the way they are. Um, you know, some farmers are planted, planting, planting, wheat right now, uh, just because their landlord wants a wants a crop out there. Um, but with with significant rains during wheat harvest, they have to put out fertilizer. Um, they got to spray for weeds, and I mean, if the fields are staying muddy, you could see significant lags in planting um, for the bean crop. Going wheat after beans after wheat. I mean, you'll have all the moisture you need right now, but um, but they'll, they'll start seeing more significant dockage there at the elevators on wheat.
2: Okay. What impacts are we seeing in other row crops, uh, such as rice or, or corn?
3: Uh, rice, like I said, uh, some guys have done preventative planting in rice. Um, primarily right now, you know, if you have a, a small rice crop that needs to get Uh, fertilizer out on it you know that's that's significant you you can't put fertilizer in the mud or you don't want to so um, some guys are having challenge challenges figuring out what fertilizer they need how to how to get the fertilizer Um, down in South Arkansas I read a report this morning that some of the corn is down there tasseling and they just got a heavy rain on it Um, and so it kind of may have knocked some of the pollen off Um, some of the younger corn, we're uh, hearing grain snap and some of the younger corn in South Arkansas. But right now that's pretty much all, I, all, all we've heard. Okay.
2: Just wrapping up here, is there any additional information you'd like to share with us about the impacts, the, the challenges, you know, just anything that growers may be thinking about um, as they get ready to sort of take on um, some of this flooding and
3: rainfall? Some additional information, you know, uh, the guys that have, that have purchased that insurance, you could go ahead and have a have a better understanding of that insurance. If you need to file preventative planning, uh, do that. Uh, you know, this is kind of I hate to use the word unprecedented because it's used so much nowadays, but um, that rain really was unprecedented. Uh, you have an aging infrastructure on water uh, water control. Um, And it kind of goes back to where you have to keep up with the times on on all the aging infrastructure A lot of the water has nowhere to go right now So it could possibly sit there for for a good deal of time Luckily the main rivers are are down, but the back rivers the the smaller rivers and tributaries are high So but that's the that's the negative part. So
2: well, thank you so much. Uh, We'll continue watching this situation and providing updates to growers, uh, Arkansas Farm Bureau members, journalists, and other stakeholders across the state. Appreciate you very
1: much taking the time to join us, Mark. Let's be sure and talk again soon. Next, Steve Powell visits with Jennifer Sansom, an extension agent from Little River County, about damage to wheat crops in the area from heavy spring rains.
0: Hi everybody, this is Steve Powell with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and on this portion of the AgCast, we're going to be talking about rainfall specifically in the southwestern portion of the state. Jennifer Sansom is the Extension Agent in Little River County, and she joins us now to talk a little bit about the effects of the weather. And Jennifer, thank you for joining us.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to do it.
0: Uh, Is it accurate to say that this is one of the worst years you've seen in quite a while?
4: It is. You know, a lot of the time people think of drought as being the most devastating, but um, this is a situation where excessive rainfall is just as um, devastating for our farmers. Um, So, like this year, we're seeing a lot of um, issues in wheat, um, the weather has caused fungus and disease to set up and then um, just made it very impossible for the farmers to get out and do much in the field. So um, in turn, we've got a, a long, long long um, list of discounts they're going to be getting at the grain elevator. It's going to be a pretty rough year.
0: And as Jennifer and I are recording this, we're actually uh, pretty much in the middle of a wheat field in Little River County. And as far as the eye can see, we're looking at standing water and the results of that standing water are really, really hurting the wheat crop in a bunch of different ways in terms of fungus. Uh, Give us some details about what arises when the wheat is sitting in this much water.
4: So, you know, weather favors um, disease. It causes disease and fungus to set up. So um, this year as I'm scouting weed, I've um, seen a lot of fusarium head blight or what we commonly call scab, um, as well as um, septoria leaf blight. Um, We call that septoria typically. Um, And then we see a lot of rust, um, just a whole lot of issues that arise from all the excessive moisture.
0: And Jennifer, I've seen pictures of you in your waders in a wheat field.
4: (laughs) Yes, sir. I've been wearing uh, what typically are my waders for scouting rice. I've been wearing hip waders uh, in these wheat fields, so they've uh, come up with a new use.
0: (laughs) One of the things, again, uh, on the subject of wheat is a lot of the farmers use wheat as just a part of their portfolio. Sometimes they'll bring in beans right behind the wheat and they're unable to get the beans in now.
4: Right, yes. So, you know, diversity always brings about a more successful farming operation. So a lot of our guys, um, while they may typically grow corn and soybeans, you know, they may have some fallow ground and they go in with wheat um, just to kind of take care of, um, instead of leaving a place fallow, um, make some, you know, a little bit, of, um, little bit of a crop on ground that otherwise wouldn't be in a crop that year. Um, and then sometimes they'll actually bale it or cut it for haylage, um and put that up um, for their cattle. So um, yeah, wheat's a very important part of their portfolio.
0: And while wheat is a big part of what farmers do in this part of the state, and they obviously grow a lot of other row crops and, and the rain has affected those as well.
4: Yes, sir. It has. You know, I I typically will say here in Little River County, we've got about as much um, ag diversification as anywhere in the state. I mean, we've got um, we don't have any cotton this year, but we've had cotton. We have corn, soybean, sweet, milo, um, obviously cattle, different forms of cattle operations uh, like mama cow calf, and then stalker operations, um, and then um, we also. Um, have got a lot of timber, um, you know, so we're, we're very diversified and I would say that really the rain has hurt every aspect of agriculture this year.
0: In terms of quantifying the losses that we may be looking at, is there any way to sort of get a handle on what farmers have to, have to see when they get to the elevator?
4: Yeah sure so you know here in Arkansas our averages um, typically on dryland wheat are from 50 to 55 bushels an acre. Um, I have quite a few farmers who are really kind of hoping for 60 bushels an acre Um, but obviously the longer it stays in the field um, the less the quality will be, um, less the test weight will be so obviously a, a lesser amount of bushels so you know instead of 60 bushels we're looking at 30. so um if you quantify that in dollars of like today say the futures price is six dollars and 87 cents a bushel you think about that um they're making half of what they typically would have made before discounts
0: yeah that's that's a pretty tough year
4: yep pretty rough
0: jennifer if you don't mind let's digress a second you're such an interesting person as as an extension agent because it's only one part of what you do. You also have your own operation.
4: I do. I'm a cattle rancher. I'm actually a fifth generation cattle rancher, so that's something I'm I'm pretty uh, proud of of my ancestors. Um, but I have a Mama cow operation, and then I run Stalker Cattle also.
0: You're a very busy busy person.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think. Well, hey, we all are, right? <laughs>
0: Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for talking to us. We really appreciate it. Hey, you should follow Jennifer on Facebook. Uh, She is a fantastic follow and always has interesting things to share. Jennifer Sansom with the Little River
4: County Extension. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks a bunch. I've appreciated it.
1: Now Steve talks to Ron Rainey with the University of Arkansas Division of Agriculture's Cooperative Extension Service to get the latest on the new Experience Arkansas Agriculture Promotional and Educational Program. Hi, everybody. I'm
0: Steve Powell. With Arkansas Farm Bureau. And on this portion of the AgCast, we're going to talk about how to experience Arkansas agriculture. Now, if you live and work in agriculture in the state of Arkansas, you have a pretty good idea of how diverse we are in terms of the things that we grow and produce. But if you don't live and work in agriculture, There's a chance you don't know just how lucky you are to be living in the state of Arkansas. Well, there is a brand new promotional campaign called Experience Arkansas Agriculture, which is really going to get the word out and teach folks uh, and show folks how they can experience agriculture in the best possible way. Ron Rainey is here. He is with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture, the extension folks. And he is uh, one of the ones heading up this uh, promotional campaign. And Ron, thank you for the time.
5: Hey, Steve, I appreciate the opportunity to help connect more consumers to promote uh, our fantastic agriculture sector. Boy,
0: you are exactly right. Let's talk about the genesis of this idea. Where did this come from?
5: Well, so uh, it actually has been in the making for uh, a couple of months. Uh had a series of uh, conversations with Logan Duvall, who mm-hmm. is the market manager for me and McGee Market. And so we were just thinking of, of some ways to uh, to help promote farmers, uh, because many of our farmers, they're, they're fantastic producers, but they either don't have the time or don't have the budgets to do adequate marketing. And so to me, one of the silver linings of the pandemic has been, one, it has really heightened the awareness of consumers of just how vital our, our agriculture sector is, how, how closely we are connected to our food and fiber sector. And so the other uptick is because of of the pandemic, there's been an uptick in online searches uh, for identifying food sources, actually purchasing directly from farmers, making those connections. So they just kind of came together. It's almost perfect timing to launch such an effort that we're going to use social media, a number of online uh, uh, platforms, and develop some content that is directed at, at connecting consumers with opportunities to experience the many sides of Arkansas agriculture.
0: Uh, you're You're exactly right on target with that, Ron. And one of the ways that you're gonna do that is through a tool called the Market Maker. Tell us what that is.
5: So Market Maker is a online marketing platform basically that allows farmers to develop a profile and post it up there for free. So it gives them that online presence it allows those farmers to connect with other farmers and other ag sta- stakeholders across the, the total food value chain whether that's on the supply side for for trying to identify some potential uh packaging and supply because we have a buy sell form or or trying to sell directly to restaurants or identify mm-hmm. processors uh and different uh end users if you would in terms of the 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 uh going to a processor or a retailer. And so what Market Maker does is is it it gives this transparent system connecting uh, the farmers with the consumers and to the intermediaries. And so uh, for farmers, it's free for them to use and sign up. It's it's sponsored by the University of Arkansas. We provide that free of of charge and actually have a person that will help assist any farmer that wants to develop a page profile And then that online platform, it can interact with any social media that those farmers may have on their individual farms, whether that's just simply Facebook or whether they've got a more advanced and they have their own website, they can link in through that. And my whole message to farmers is, I don't care how somebody beats a path to your door, you just want them beating a path to your door. (laughs) And so we're just trying to, to really elevate this opportunity and at the same time, we're going we're gonna to educate consumers and we're going to entertain them a little bit as well about the different products that are available uh, uh, from our farms. Because uh, uh, the, the unique farm families that are producing our, our food and fiber, understanding the wonderful uh, variety of, of crops that they produce and then tasting that unique flavor profile of farm fresh products.
0: Yeah, no no question that uh, those tools are going to be tremendous for farmers and and farmers have gotten so much more savvy about social media. They're ready for something like this.
5: They really are. My favorite quote that I use in my meetings now is in terms of uh, technological innovation and the adaptation that not just agriculture, but across the whole spectrum in society, we've transformed in terms of technology use a decade in Mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. Right. If you look at, you think about virtual work, virtual school for our children, (laughs) uh, telemedicine. And so everything is kind of really was forced on us in a way, but in many ways, to me, that's a silver lining because many farmers that were reluctant to use this technology say, hey, this is not a bad tool. This right. is not that time-consuming. And, hey, I can get some pretty good connections and increase my sales using this online system. So just trying to heighten that to because to, the question I get as an economist, so local food sales, direct food sales are up throughout the pandemic. Will it sustain? And right. so one of my motivations for doing this this campaign is to try to help sustain and maybe even give it an, even a bigger bump as we come out of the pandemic.
0: Ron, one of the great beneficiaries of a campaign like this is, has got to be farmers markets, because I know a lot of them tra- uh, uh, sort of transitioned to online markets during the pandemic. And now they're, they're finding that, you know what, this works pretty good. It's a way to extend the season to, to help our, okay. our vendors, you know, in, at off times. And this is really going to be a great tool for them.
5: No, absolutely. And we are intentionally engaging with those market managers in the Arkansas Farmers Market Association to try to promote those opportunities to highlight the the not just the market, but the experience that consumers can have by going to those markets, engaging with those individual entrepreneurs, those farmers, those ranchers that are selling their products and learn some new things about how how the different products were grown uh, and about the farm families and all of that From market research has shown that more consumers engage there, the more the more satisfaction they get from consuming those products, whether that's the flavor profile or to know that they're supporting a local business.
0: Yeah, all things being equal, I think most everyone would prefer to buy local and know that's short supply chain and, and, and buy something that might have been a plant yesterday and is a food today, right?
5: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and just that engagement, it just enhances the overall satisfaction. But we're really drilling down to, to the multiple facets beyond that product purchase because we're also promoting uh, uh, locally grown foods in terms of, of, of going and dining at restaurants. Wow. So we're hoping to engage restaurants in some of our features. We feature a chef doing a locally produced product or I, a menu item uh, just highlighting the availability because, you know, uh, I had a, a preview uh, of our of our campaign and we had an Arkansas Market Burger for me and McGee Market. And it was phenomenal. It's phenomenal. So,
0: it sounds delicious. Uh, you've got a hashtag you'd like people to use, don't you?
5: Indeed, indeed. So it, it's hashtag A-R-A-G-E-X for Arkansas Ag Experience.
0: And, Ron, you can get to your website by going to A-R-A-G-E-X dot U-A-D-A dot E-D-U. That's Experience Arkansas Agriculture.
5: You can see the website and see all of our social media platforms as well as how to find the market uh, on that website.
0: Well, Ron, we will absolutely look out for all of the Experience Arkansas Agriculture uh, stuff you've got coming at us. Hey, thank you, Ron, so much. Best of luck uh, with the campaign,
1: and I think it's going to be a huge success.
5: Perfect. Thank you so much, and uh, let's support Arkansas Ag.
1: Thank you, Ron. Finally, we wrap up with Jason Brown talking to Arkansas Farm Bureau's John Bailey to get a preview of next month's Arkansas Farm Bureau Officers and Leaders Conference in Hot Springs.
2: We're here today with John Bailey, Director of Environmental and Regulatory Affairs uh, here at Arkansas Farm Bureau. We're going to talk about the upcoming Officers and Leaders uh, Conference uh, today. John, thanks for joining us. Um, I guess to get started, just tell us, what is the uh, Officers and Leaders Conference hosted by Arkansas Farm Bureau?
6: Well, under normal circumstances, our our Officers and Leaders is a a chance for our county leadership to get together and prepare for our policy development season, I would say. Um, And so usually what we'll we'll do is bring them all in together and kind of talk about some advocacy things, um, educate them on those issues. Um, And then also discuss anything that might be coming up um, over the course of the next year that would be policy related.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's cool. So a lot, a lot of business going on there. Probably, let me guess. I bet I can guess the number one question you've been asked this year. Will this event be held in person?
6: 100% it will be held in person. Last year I was the chairman over the, uh, over officers and leaders and we had to do it virtually. And I don't know that that was something anybody wanted to do, but it needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And so this year we we are making bigger plans for officers and leaders to just make up for what we had to do last year.
2: All right. So since we are going to be back in person, when is the event and
6: where will it be held? So this year it's going to be held July the 19th and 20th at the Hot Springs Convention Center.
2: Okay, great. Now, how do eligible attendees uh, register or how, how how do folks get there if if they if they should be
6: there so if you're if you're a farm bureau member I, what i would recommend is is that you reach out with your uh, county leadership and and see if there's any interest in you participating in this year's officers and leaders
2: okay great is there a theme to the event this year
6: so last once again last year we had to do this virtually so this year um, we decided upon a theme of together you know, and I think a lot of people are going to be excited about it. this. is going to be our first opportunity um, to have a meeting in person uh, in almost 15 months. So um, we felt that it would be appropriate that the theme this year would be together because that's what we're going to. That's what we're going to be is together.
2: Yeah. Well, I've heard some rumblings in the hallway here that there may be some new things coming to the event. Maybe some things that we haven't seen before. Uh, any any sneak peeks you care to share?
6: Well, yeah. So. Um, this year we've decided to make a few changes. I don't think there's, you know, some of the things are, are minor and other things. I think, are, I, I hope a lot of folks find it to be a big deal. Um, so this year we've decided to break our workshops up into three sessions as opposed to two. Um, it seems to me that when we have, when we have these workshops, the conversations, um, when they're about an hour and a half long, I, I don't know. I th- maybe that's a little bit asking, asking too much in one particular workshop. So we've decided to go with three sessions. Um, each one's going to be about 45 minutes long, um, but that also means that we're going to cram a lot more information in in that short period of time. Um, to make up for that, what we have decided to do this year is uh, we're going to have a reception after the workshops. Um, in a typical year for officers and leaders, what will happen is, is that once the workshops are over with, many of the counties may get together, go out, um, let's say in Hot Springs, and go out to a restaurant and get together together. Um, this year, we've decided we're going, to do a, we're going to do a reception so that everyone, all counties, can get together and see each other, once again, for the first time in 15 months. Um, but then also, we'll keep it short so that once it, that some of these counties can get back together and get out to eat um, as they have done in the past.
2: Oh, yeah, great. So, a little best of both worlds there.
6: Um, and, and another thing that we're going to do different this year is, is on Tuesday, we, we typically would have additional workshops. But this year, we're going to have our commodity meetings. Um, held Tuesday morning. So we're going to start at 730 in the morning, and we're going to end up having two different sessions and try to cram uh, all of our commodity meetings um, in this particular uh, officers and leaders meeting this, this year. So I know in the past what has happened is, is that we've uh, come up with our policy development guidebook and uh, handed that out at officers and leaders. Uh, but we felt like this particular venue is a better accommodation for our commodity meetings. And so um, a few of the, you know, the counties are going to get these guidebooks a little bit later. I, I wouldn't say a whole lot later. Uh, we do plan on getting that finished up um, really the week of uh, at just after the conclusion of officers and leaders.
2: Yeah, great. So it sounds like we're really taking advantage of being back in person and packing a lot of, a lot of action in there. Okay. So give our listeners, uh, Farm Bureau members uh, one reason to attend the conference this year.
6: So, uh, you know, once again, I think the biggest things are what's going to be in the workshops, uh, the information that we're going to be able to provide. What the, uh, what the pandemic has shown us is that there is an opportunity to use technology within Farm Bureau. And so, like, for example, one of the workshops, we're going to be talking about how we can include um, Zoom meetings as part of our, either whether the, through the county meetings or maybe even more of our, our meetings at uh, Arkansas Farm Bureau, um, also the, uh, the workshops are going to include, um, additional information on advocacy. How can we get information out to, uh, the public about what we do at Farm Bureau and what, what, what farmers do, you know, for, for everybody in Arkansas.
2: Yeah. Very important as the number one industry in the state. Yeah. Uh, okay. Any other workshops you wanted to talk about or, or.
6: Well, in, in in addition to the typical workshops that we do have for officers and leaders, we are going to try to get some other information out to uh, to farmers that would be pertinent to what they may end up what they may do in their farms. Um, so one of the one of the topics that we are going to be discussing at officers and leaders is going to be talking about improving herd health. So a lot of livestock folks will be interested in that. So uh, another workshop that we're going to have is for is Delta Solar. Um, they are able to provide information about net metering. And the idea is just to kind of level the playing field when it comes to agriculture. Um, There's a lot of different methodologies in which, um, you know, money can be collected or, or, or how it, or or how they participate. Um, So with this, I think it gives um, everybody a lot more information about what's available to them and what they can do.
2: Yeah, that's great. That's that's, I know that's a hot topic right now in, in agriculture, Uh, in many areas of the state and beyond. Um, So, all right, fun question time. What is one thing that you never knew before you uh, served as chair of this event that you have now learned, I guess I should say?
6: Oh, that's a fair question. Um, One thing, uh, coming from an engineering background, um, you you know, you you don't know that you're going to be, first off, if you would have asked me uh, 15 years ago where I would be working at, Mm-hmm. Um, and as an engineer, Farm Bureau wouldn't be the f- the first thing that would <laughs> pop in my head. Uh, but I'm truly excited about being here, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's something that you don't understand. You don't know that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And, um, now have an opportunity to be here and I, I just, I can't be more happy about, you know, being here at Farm Bureau.
2: Yeah. You may be the world's first engineer to event planner
6: transition. I, I, I don't know.
2: Yeah. All right. So as we wrap up, any information, any additional information that we didn't cover that you'd like to share, any anything like that?
6: No, I think that covers it.
2: Okay, great. Well, thank you, uh, John Bailey, for being here with us today on Arkansas AgCast. I appreciate your time, and we look forward to seeing you next month in Hot Springs.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you. That's all for this edition of Arkansas AgCast.
5: Check in next Thursday for more news and views on Arkansas agriculture.